boogeyman is coming. Leave me alone. He doesn't believe us. Don't you know what happens on Halloween? Yeah, we get candy. <laughs> boogeyman, ooh, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman. Really? My name's Megan. And I'm Meredith. And it's Halloween. Ooh, spooky. And it's the last episode of our series. The, was the October, October Spooktacular... Uh, uh, the Halloween October Spooktacular doesn't have a name yet extravaganza. Yes. I could be wrong, but we've only been doing this for... Four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> Halloween in October could be switched. It's who knows, <laughs> who knows at this point. So, um, it's the last episode of the series, and kinda, then kind of bittersweet. Yeah, it is. Honestly, I'm a little bit excited to go back to our regular theme song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of. Was it Fortuna? No. Fugue. 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 I was thinking of Fortuna because that's what I played really loud when my neighbors wouldn't be quiet. I like turned it all the way up to ten on my Alexa and blasted their ass with Fortuna. She lit up just a second ago. She did light up. That's been happening a lot. So a lot of the uh, shows that I've been watching, so I've been watching a lot of South Park lately, and they say Alexa a lot. And, uh, she lights up every once in a while. For someone who does not personally have an I sure ask her to do things all the time. Just like, oh. I'll just be out and about saying, oh, dang, Alexa, you can go back to sleep, ma'am. I did not mean to wake you. Hmm, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Usually the TV doesn't pick it up that well. I think, cause I, think she, I think because she figured out, like, what she's supposed to respond to and what not. But yeah. Do you want to hear something crazy that Always. happened the other day? Always. Okay, so I was at a wedding, and this girl, she had on some really nice yellow eyeshadow. And I had some yellow eyeshadow not on me. But I had used it before, and it sucked. Like, it was just terrible yellow eyeshadow. So I asked her, hey, where did you get that eyeshadow from? And she said it was part of the James Charles palette, which I never look him up. I really never watched him. The only time that I ever really heard anything from him was during, like, the whole Tati James Charles thing. And I'm sure... Classic YouTube beef. Yeah, everybody was into that. Even people who weren't into makeup was into that. But, um... That was, like, literally the only time I looked him up. And I'd never gotten ads from him before. But literally, either the next day or the day after that, I got an ad for that palette... (laughs) just come up in sponsored ads and I'm like are you serious like I didn't even look it up 
You guys, that is the scariest thing to happen this whole season. It's a ghost story on its own. It really is. Maybe we should put some spooky music like in the background. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my god. Okay, so in the next couple of episodes, we are actually gonna dive into not indie, but underground. Underground. We're gonna be uh, hyper nerds about things that interest us for for a couple of weeks. As we get ready for Thanksgiving. What movie are we going to watch of yours? Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, I know. But tell us, tell us anyway. <laughs> it's called Head. And it was uh, a movie that the monkeys made um, before they started splitting up. And it's very weird. It, it, it doesn't have a central plot. It's just like 20 little mini plots that are all just kind of <laughs> strung together and it, it's kind of brain melting f- for a bit um but it's very cool jack nicholson was like the writer for it for those who don't know who are the monkeys the monkeys are <laughs> <laughs> she made a face because she's upset that so there's put Potentially somebody that doesn't know who they are. Um, it's going to really hurt me to say, but if you've seen Shrek, <laughs> you know who the monkeys are because Smash Mouth covered their song, I'm a Believer. No, they know Smash Mouth because of that. <laughs> Not the monkeys. Well, you know the monkeys without realizing it. Basically, exactly. Basically, in the late 60s, some TV producers, a music producer... They saw some movies that were made for the Beatles. I think it was Help and A Hard Day's Night. And they were like, ah, we need one of those. We need a Beatles in America. As if the Beatles weren't already in America. I know, right? Like it was Beatlemania <laughs> or something. So they they held auditions for a, a TV show that, star, that was about a, a pop rock band. And, uh, so they were kind of made for TV, a little like Big Time Rush. However, oh my God. <laughs> however, they actually were music, well, two of them were musicians, and then they all became musicians, and they learned their instruments and everything, and they went on tours and sold out stadiums, and still to this day, Mike and Mickey go on tours, so. Nice. Nice. I'm excited for it. I'm interested to see what it is exactly. One of my favorite scenes in cinematic history is in that movie, and I'm very excited to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) What movie of yours will we be watching? Well, we will be watching Sweethearts of the Gridiron. If you're from East Texas or in drill, like drill teams... You might know who the world-famous Kilgore College Rangerettes are. So, Sweethearts of the Gridiron is about the tryout process of the Rangerettes. They're a famous drill team, literally the first drill team ever created, and they're amazing. I was talking to uh, a friend the other day, Because we were in the area, we were at homecoming, and I was watching them perform. And I said, you know, 
when you're here, it's kind of like, oh, the rangerettes, uh. But then when you're away, like, away from Kilgore, you're like, oh my god, the rangerettes <laughs> are the best thing on this planet Earth. They can do no wrong. But, yeah, it, uh, yeah, they're amazing. It, yeah. It's just great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk my, about it. Um, my high school journalism teacher, newspaper sponsor... She she talked about the Rangerettes a lot, and she would like watch videos in class, and she'd be like, "Oh, they are just so talented." <laughs> they really are super talented. And then my aunt Becky said, "Back in the day, people didn't want to be Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders; they wanted to be Rangerettes." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And when I say they are world famous, they are literally world famous. Like they perform all around the world. And people know who they are. There are a lot of uh, rangerettes that have gone on to be, like, media people and be on the Dallas Cowboys and other professional cheer teams. So. It's very cool. I'm excited to learn learn more about all that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And whenever we do the episode, I'll tell y'all some of the rules that they have to abide by. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's definitely, I would say, kind of like a sorority, if a sorority is what I'm thinking about, you know? Yeah. But, um, okay. So, and then after that, depending on how our poll goes, on our Twitter... Because we have a Twitter, but we have a poll up on our Twitter asking if we should watch Midsummer or not. I'm, I'm scared. I'm also scared. Because I watched the commercial and I was freaked out. Well, I watched the, commer- the, the trailer and I was like, oh, psh, you know, pish, whatever. I can, I can do this. <laughs> and then I've heard people talk about it and I'm like... <gasps> Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's There might still be time to vote. So you should do that. You should go check and see if you can still vote. Yes. And mm. our Twitter is Really Podcast. We don't have a rap yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's at R-E-E-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. She did that because she didn't want to hear me rap. <laughs> and our email is also reallypodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And also, remember that we are doing a giveaway. The first, whenever we hit 200 followers, we're going to draw a name from our followers. And you could win two free movie tickets. Yes. Your theater, your movie, your plus one. Or two movies by yourself. <laughs> yeah. That could be that could be fun. You just need to let us know ahead of time so we can get the right tickets for you. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, and if you retweet the post that says that that mentions the giveaway, then you'll your name will be entered a second time. And you'll have even more of a chance to win two free movie tickets. Your theater, your choice, your plus one. Or by yourself twice. (laughs) (laughs) 
so, something that we didn't get into last episode, but was important, was that our last episode was our 10th episode. Yes. Let's get a round of applause. Yeah. It is important to note that it was not my 10th episode, as I joined the crew a little bit late, but I have listened, I've been a faithful listener, <laughs> uh, so... Ten episodes. That, that's a milestone. It really is. I mean, a lot of people don't get past this point, you know? It takes a lot. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. Goodness. Yeah. The editing is like, woof. Yeah. I could sit and watch movies and talk about movies all day long, but then it's editing time, and I I get sad. <laughs> that's true. The only good part about that is that we get to hang out, am I yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get to we get to put our our humor more more into into it, which yeah. I love to do. That's fun. But uh, so my question is, what are your top three movies that we have done? Okay, so mine's definitely a little bit slanted because mm. you know obvious reasons. So. Third favorite is the very, very first episode about the Evil Dead before I joined. But I was given a shout-out, so technically I'm in it. <laughs> yes, and it was your idea to watch yes. that movie, so... You're welcome, America, and whoever's listening. <laughs> um, second favorite is probably... Chainsaw. Really? Really. Because wow. even though cause even though the movie scares me so much, we had a lot of fun talking about it. There's a lot of good, you know, like gags and stuff in the in the audio. Mm-hmm. Um and we got to bring in the true crime, which shakes me to my core. It's so scary. But like it was fun. I think I really shined on that part. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to be scared sometimes. It is. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw was fun. But I think my favorite episode, my number one episode, is Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Because it was my first time getting to talk to you guys about about one of the greatest movies. It really is a great movie. Like, it's just... It's just silly. Yeah. Campy, I guess is the word, but it works. Yeah. But yeah, and it was fun to fun to talk about it, fun to experience, you know, being on a podcast and editing for the first time. And we have gotten so much better too. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Y'all, y'all don't even know the struggles that we like. We took maybe three hours to edit and a one hour. Yeah. Recording one time just yeah. because we weren't used to it yet. It's crazy. And now we take three hours on an hour and a half episode. <laughs> yeah. So we are like exponentially faster. I know, progress, right? <laughs> but honestly, we do add more stuff into it. So Yeah. It's getting a little more complex. We're adding layers. Yeah. Like an onion. Like in Shrek. Like an ogre. Like the monkeys. <laughs> Add that to the monkeys count. We'll give you a little ding. Ding. (laughs) So, which are your top three favorite episodes? Okay, so my third one would be 
Okay, okay. Let, let me tell you my second one while I think. Because I know what my first one is. Yeah. So my second one is Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. The first one is The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a win for you. <laughs> and then I think the third one would probably be The Evil Dead 2, honestly. Like, it yeah. was really good. Well, that and because it it has a little bit of nostalgia. <laughs> I'm glad that The Shining is your favorite episode because I feel like I'm like, Megan, we should watch this movie. I love it. And you're like, I've never seen it. And then we finish and you're like, ah. No, it was really good. <laughs> but then with The Shining, you loved it. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what other episode? Or not episode, but the one I mean, I, I, like, I mean, eh. it's like, well... We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this episode. Yeah, this episode, oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of flopped a little bit in terms of expectations, I think. Yeah, just a little bit for me, but we'll get into that Let's, later. I hope I can change your mind by the time the episode is over. That that happens sometimes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I hear your opinion, and I'm like, hmm, never thought about it like that. That's right, you guys. I have an influential opinion. <laughs> Verify me on Twitter, at Twitter headquarters, whatever you're... Whoever's in charge of that, just... You have to give them, like, your social it. and everything. My social? Yeah, like, oh. to be verified, it's crazy that the stuff you have crazy. to do. crazy. I don't... I, don't I, I think you have to give them your social. I, the, the person who was saying that might have been exaggerating. I just know that somebody that I went to high school with is very on board with me getting verified, even though... We haven't really talked in a while, but mm-hmm. sometimes she'll just respond to me and say she wishes <laughs> I was verified. So, Paula, if you're listening to this, thank you. My number one fan always. <laughs> so. So. With that in mind, my new goal for the episode is to change Megan's opinion about Halloween. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> we're not going to really get into the plot, because it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, guy with a mask kills his sister. Fifteen years later, he's back and stalking some babysitters. He still has a mask, still has a knife, and, I mean, that's kind of it. He kills all of her friends. All of them. Push me to the edge, all my friends are dead. And then, he tries to kill her, but... She tries to not get killed. It's like Tom and Jerry, but yeah, scarier. It honestly, and he just keeps he just keeps coming back. Just keeps coming back. Can't stop this guy. So, one of the things like after watching it, I was kind of like, Meh. I'm not going to say that you hyped it up too much because yeah. you didn't. Uh-huh. Uh I was expecting that for, what was it, The Shining? Yeah. But, or no, 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 it was Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, because I hyped that one a lot, saying it was super scary. Yeah. And then as we were watching it, you kind of were like, mm, I'm not, well, I'm not really that scared. And then it hit the, the hook. Were, <laughs> for more context, visit our last episode, Life Hacks with Leatherface. That's not the full title, but it's pretty easy to find, so. Yeah. <laughs> So, before we start discussing the movie, let's give, let's have you give your initial rating of the movie. Okay. Like, 
one to five, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I was gonna give it, gosh, a two and a half. <laughs> Your face! I know! <laughs> <laughs> okay, 2.75. Out or two point seven five Mikael Myers wigs <laughs> out of five. Okay, I think mine. I think I would personally give it three and a half knitting needles out of five. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my goal is to get you at least up to a three. Well, increase? Well, yeah, I mean, I think anything in the twos, for me, is, like, a bad movie. Uh, So when I see a bad movie, I give it, like, one star for effort, and then, like, one and a half, because there's not really anything else in it. So, if I can get you up to a three, I mean, I mean, that's a win. Three and a half is, like, excellent win. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so initially, two point seven five. What did I say? Mikael Maez. So, yeah, I just wasn't like too impressed. impressed. Yeah, I get that. Cause I mean, it's like, it's seen as like a super iconic movie. Yeah. So you expect it to be, an iconic worthy horror movie. Yeah. But there wasn't really a whole lot of horror. I mean, it's just not the same today as it was then. It's not. And so I was talking to Paris, too, before uh, you came over, and I was telling her, I don't understand why it's so iconic, technically iconic. And she said, well... It's probably because they hadn't seen anything like that before. And I was like, okay, I kind of understand now. Because that's the way it was for, I guess, The Evil Dead and other movies like that. Um, So, and I know you have more information regarding that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is, like, scientifically sound. You know, I don't think it's, you know, proven or anything. But my thought on it is that in 1968 Night of the Living Dead was released and it was like the first modern zombie movie mm-hmm. and it it brought to the table this idea of the anticlimactic ending because if you haven't seen it um, I'm gonna spoil it <laughs> <laughs> um, so sorry Megan. Thanks a lot. Do you want me to not spoil it? Uh... I won't spoil it. I'll just leave it at... It brought to the table this anticlimactic ending where it kind of just leaves things to be a bit ambiguous. Mm. Like, who really won, you know? And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974 brought this idea of Psycho Killer with a Mask. Right, and it kind of opened the door to the slasher subgenre. And then in 1978, Halloween kind of took those two ideas and put them into one movie 
and like normalized it and made like a mainstream film that took ideas from both of those you know older movies mm-hmm. so whenever because I've been noticing this more and more so whenever you talk about older movies in within the horror genre mm-hmm. and I see more modern scary movies there's a huge huge difference that I see now mm-hmm. just by even like storytelling and I don't it's it's a different aesthetic as well mm-hmm. um they're both in my opinion mostly cheaply made yeah but H- horror is one of the cheaper genres to make that's why a lot of starting filmmakers choose it to to get their name out there yeah that's what Raimi did yeah it. yeah but uh <clears throat> the older ones are just better well, I think, to me, the older ones... Well, okay, let me start by saying, I think newer horror movies rely too much on fleeting moments of horror, where mm. they rely more on jump scares or, you know, things like that that just kind of come and go, and they don't really last as long. Yeah. But older horror movies have more of like a psychological effect where you're waiting I mean that's not to say like newer ones don't but older older horror films I think rely more on the suspense and the ambiguity and just psychological things that stick with you longer it's not that they're you know scarier or gorier it's that they just have more of an impact yeah I can get behind that because I mean because I just think of like the Pet Cemetery remake that came out this year. The the story that King wrote and the first movie that came out about it, you know, in the 80s or whatever, those were good. And then, because they went into the backstory and they went into, you know, the lore and the things that stick with you, the psychological effects of it. But then the new remake had like four or five maybe more jump scares of just a semi-truck driving by. Like, it just got old really fast. It got stale really fast. You came to expect it. And, I I mean, that's a that's a really, I think, isolated example. Mm-hmm. I was not impressed by that movie at all. Yeah, there. Uh, I saw a post about <clears throat> it today. Somebody said, how did they make Pet Cemetery so bad, but it so good? Yeah. You know? I don't know. And I, I agree with that, because, I mean, I'm an It fan. Yeah. I still need to watch the miniseries, though. Oh, yeah, me too. Hey, oh. Georgie! You want to float? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I think there's just, like, a difference between how horror is used in these, in the, you know, past movies versus present movies. And there are, I think, movies now that do well in horror. I mean, obviously, I'm afraid to watch some of them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good sign that that the psychological trend is kind of coming back. That's true. Yeah. So, let's talk about John Carpenter. Yeah. What a tool. (laughs) I don't know much about him other than the video that I showed you. And and the video that I showed you um, was about... 
It was like two minutes long. He was being interviewed by someone about other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And for the whole video, he was like, yeah, not impressed, not impressed. And he was talking about Spielberg. Yeah, he was talking about people that were making movies at the same time. Like, he, he was asked about his contemporaries, you know, Spielberg, De Palma, and one other filmmaker. And he was like, yeah, don't care for him. Jaws was a good movie. Like, that was it. And he's like, what about Close Encounters? And he goes, I think that he experimented too much with the genre, and he tried to do all these things, and blah, blah, blah. And he said he liked older movies, action movies, stuff like that. He he said he goes to the movies a lot to see everything, to take notes. But then he's, like, not impressed. And he's like, I think these filmmakers are arrogant. Uh, excuse me? Yeah, Mr. I don't like Steven Spielberg because he's <laughs> experimenting with a genre. Okay. 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 Yeah, and then the final girl, the scream queen. Yes. The Activia actress. <laughs> the mom from Freaky Friday. Oh yeah, that's honestly like the most important bit right here. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is Guitar solo in Freaky Friday, better than the Beatles' entire discography. <laughs> Do you know she wrote that? What? I'm just kidding. Oh, wait, I was going to say, wait, wrote what? The guitar solo the or Beatles. the Beatles? <laughs> she wrote the Beatles. She was their she, ghostwriter. She was the Beatles. So yeah, she had quite an impact. I mean, I think that like really launched her career. Well, um, you know more about her than I do. Well, I mean, I know that she she worked a lot in Halloween and, you know, the sequels and whatnot. She's still doing it today. They're filming um, Halloween Kills oh, yeah. right now, which is the sequel to the recent reboot. She's also in another movie that's coming up. Something about knives or something like that. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, she was in a commercial... Or- commercial trailer (laughs) but she's in a movie trailer and i saw it on twitter and it has leonardo dicaprio in it oh i think i have heard about that it's like throwing knives or something like that she's also been in some i mean i don't want to say indie uh, i don't even want to say underground but low budget not even low budget i just it's just not as well known as it should be Mm. it's kind of slept on she was in a movie called a fish called wanda uh with Michael Palin and John Cleese from Monty Python, and then another guy, and I'm upset that I can't remember his name. I think it's Kevin. (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) Monty Python and Kevin. (laughs) And it's a very good movie. I watched it for the first time, I don't know, a while back, and I just watched, I watched it one night, I watched it again the second night, and then the third night, I was like, dang, I want to watch this movie again. But highly recommend that movie to anybody who hasn't seen it. Looking at you, Megan. A fish called Wanda. Yeah. Her character's name is Wanda. Is she a fish? No, but there is also a fish called Wanda. There's two Wandas. The fish isn't really as important, though. Does the fish talk? No. Then I'm not watching it. (laughs) (laughs) If it doesn't have a talking animal, then mm, no. Even though literally none of the movies we've watched have a talking animal. Is that true? 
Um, does Monty Python count? Where the animal didn't talk, no. There was a wild rabbit beast. Yeah. Tim the Enchanter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Cleese. Um, if you have a favorite movie that involves a talking animal, send it our way on Twitter or email. And we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll think about it, I guess. But, okay, let's get into the characters. I mm-hmm. think, I don't remember all of their names, but I think we should talk about the friends first. Yeah, so there was Annie. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, Annie was kind of mean. Yeah. And she was she was babysitting a girl across the street. And she was kind of mean, like, bossy to the little girl. Just a terrible babysitter. And the girl wasn't listening to her, and she was trying to make popcorn and spilled butter all over herself. So she just stripped down in the kitchen and started pouring, like, laundry detergent on her clothes, like, while right next to where she was making popcorn. She, and, like, put on the dad's shirt or yeah, something Yeah, it was just, like, like... It was weird. Yeah, so she was just walking around in her, her socks and some strange man's button-up t-shirt. It was very risky business. Yeah. So she <laughs> went out... Ways. So she went out to the laundry room, which was in a separate building behind the house. Ugh. Poor design, in my opinion. Yeah. And... I... I she got stuck in the window because she locked herself in somehow. Yeah, and then the girl she was babysitting had to come get her and pull her out. Right. But at that point, I think it was Paul. Had yeah, there. Paul was her boy. No, Paul didn't get there. She was supposed to go pick oh, Paul up. Oh, yeah. Paul is her boyfriend. We don't ever see him. So she dropped the girl she was babysitting off where Jamie Lee Curtis's character was babysitting a- another kid. So she just dropped the kid off and, like, left to go pick up her boyfriend. But before she could leave, uh, she's gonna take the the parents' car. The parents of the girl she's babysitting. She's just gonna take their car even though she... Or maybe it wasn't their car. Maybe she just parked it in the garage. Because now that I think about it, it looked kind of similar to her car. But I don't know why she would park in their garage. I don't remember. Oh, oh, well. Either way, she was in the garage, gonna get in the car. It was locked. She goes to get the keys. She comes back. The door's not locked anymore, but she doesn't think about it and gets in the car. Yeah, because I was like, that door was not locked. And uh, very quickly, our questions were answered because Ugh. Michael sat sat right up from the back seat and <laughs> strangled her. He just does like a straight, like, from, what is it, 180... To 90 degrees. Like, degrees. But it's not all at once. It's gradual. And like he slides his arms as he sits up. It's like doing the fitness gram sit up test. Where they have like the tape line. And you have to like slide your fingers across the line. <laughs> That's what he does every time. He'd be a master at the fitness he gram would. test. <laughs> he would get like. Was it whenever you did a certain amount. You got to get you got a letter from the president or something like that. I, I, th- I personally never had that happen to me. Well, I have never, and it will never ever happen. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, 
So. So Annie is dead, and he carries her body back into the house. Yep. And then turns the lights all off and goes and hides somewhere, I guess. Yep. And then in the dark, or I guess not in the dark, but uh, the van pulls up. And Lori's other friend, Lori and Annie's other friend, I don't... I do remember her name. Her name was Linda. Okay. Because it was Linda and her boyfriend, Bob, and we pointed out how, oh, yeah. it, how it was Bob and Linda, like, uh, like Bob's All right. <laughs> so, Bob and Linda get in there. They show up because... <laughs> I can't get over that. So, Bob and Linda show up. And they're, they've already been drinking, and they're making crude comments. They really just showed up to the house so that they would have a place to to have some, some private time. Yeah. Which is crazy messed up. They're just going to go to this strange house. That a kid is at. Yeah, because the parents aren't home. Uh. Teenagers in the 70s, man. They were a different breed. They, yeah. Idiots. So they go into the house, and it's all dark, and they're not sure where everybody is, so they just start making out on the couch. You know, everything's normal. And then, uh, 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 wrong movie. <laughs> well, and not even yet. They they go upstairs. They take it upstairs. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> um, the guy goes downstairs to get some more beer. In perhaps my favorite kill scene in the whole movie, even though that's kind of morbid to say out loud. No, I get it, I get it. Um, so he's caught by surprise as Michael Myers emerges from the shadows. As he does. As he does. And he stabs him, like, right in the stomach. He stabs Bob. And... (laughs) But... Bob is hanging... Like a couple feet above the ground. Yeah. And that one butcher's knife that in no way could have even touched the door is stabbed into the door even... It's supposed to be, but it's not. And it's just holding him up there. Yeah, there's absolutely no way. Like, his body would just... Well, one... The knife wouldn't even stay in. Right. The door. Two, even if it did, your body's weight is gonna bring you down. Yeah. So it would just slice further up your body, even if it was the blunt side of the knife. Is that f***ed up? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's true! When you think about it logically, I personally have no experience stabbing somebody against a door. I don't either! And them up. But thinking logically, that would make sense just because of a simple little thing called gravity. Gravity! Don't mean to. Isn't gravity on a meme on TikTok right now? I don't know. Anyway, so. It's in no way realistic, and it makes it that much better. Mm. So then, little Mikey, in his so hilarious sense of humor, puts a bed sheet over himself, and you know, cuts little holes out for the eyes, and puts on Bob's glasses, and goes and (laughs) stands in the doorway 
where Linda is, and she's like, what are you doing? And she thinks it's funny. (laughs) Stop it. It's not funny. (laughs) And then she's like, why haven't you moved or said anything in a couple of minutes? And then he kills her. I don't know, Linda. Why? So, in just those short little scenes, all of Lori's friends are dead. Push me to the edge. All my friends are dead. And that scene actually is on our Twitter. <laughs> we made an edit for oh, it. Oh, yeah, when Lori, like, finds them all. Yeah. <laughs> all my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. <laughs> but, um, so let's talk about Lori. Yeah, because she's important. Very. So, one of the things that you brought up was the concept, uh, well, a few things, was the final girl, her gender impact, and the Bechdel skill. Yeah, so, as the final girl, she's like the final girl that everybody thinks of. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, if you're familiar with the concept, which we described it a little bit in our last episode, but basically the final girl is the girl who, the character who lives. Like, at, through everything, she fights and she survives and she does what she has to do. Um, but my my thing with Lori is throughout the whole movie, she doesn't call anybody for help. She doesn't, she doesn't try to get help. She just says... I am going to make... She tells Tommy, the kid she's babysitting, I am going to make sure you're safe. I'm here. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'll I'll protect you. I'll... She's going to be the hero, basically. And she's not going to let anybody... Like, she's not going to worry about getting help from anybody else. Mm-hmm. There's no... There's no man to to save her. She's not... She's not the damsel in distress. I mean, she she kind of is... But she's making it. She's gonna save herself. Like that yeah. song, Cinderella by the Cheetah Girls. Oh my god. She'd rather rescue herself. So basically Lori is she's every character except for the villain, you know. She's she's the hero and and the the Snow White <laughs> was it? Waiting for a handsome prince to come and save her on a horse of white. Yeah. She's... She doesn't want to be no, no, no one else. She'd rather <laughs> rescue herself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it up. <laughs> like, oh god. So, it did have some... Some gender impact, I say yeah, nonchalantly. So, you know, obviously it made the concept of a final girl... Like, that much more recognized, right? And you mm-hmm. start to see other movies that follow also have the strong female lead uh, like her. And despite all of that, this film barely passes the Bechdel test. And what is that? The Bechdel test... In order for a movie to pass the Bechdel test, it has to follow three criteria. Criterium. I don't know which one is the plural. Um, the, <laughs> the first one is that it has to have two named women. So, check. This one passes that. It has two Lori. named women. Lori. 
Lori, Linda, and then Anne. Yeah. The second criteria is that these two named women have to talk to each other on screen. Check. They all walk home from school and talk to each other, right? Yes. And the third, and this one's the killer, this is the kicker right here. They have to talk to each other about something that's not a man. Or related to a man, or anything like that. Debatable check! So, this, most people say it passes. Um, because as the, the girls are walking home from school, I believe it's Linda that's like, uh, what do you need books for? You, you know, why don't, why are you carrying all those books? And she's like, oh, I forgot my chemistry book. And she goes off on this tangent about how she forgets literally every single one of her books every day. Yeah. So, by that standard, it passes. Yeah. But then, like, pretty quickly afterwards, they start talking about boys again. <laughs> and then another issue that comes with this movie and, and gender is that despite the fact that she is so willing to save herself and everyone around her without calling for help, there's still a male character who comes in and steals the show. Who is the next character we're going to talk about. Yeah, what's his stupid name? Dr. Sam Loomis. Oh yeah, because we were talking about Loomis. Yeah. Loomis is used a lot. Yeah, so we'll get into... Well, I guess we'll talk about Dr. Loomis now. Yeah. So basically, Dr. Loomis is Michael Myers' psychiatrist, basically. Yeah, for... Like, 15 years or something. Yeah. So, he knows everything about how Michael thinks and acts and operates. And so he's basically, like, on the prowl all night throughout Haddonfield, where it takes place, looking for him. Because he knows that he's out to kill people. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the very last, like, two minutes of the movie... Michael gets up and he's going to Lori and I think he, you know, starts strangling her or something. She's not done fighting him, but she is panicked and then Dr. Loomis, like, runs upstairs. He finds the house and comes upstairs and, like, shoots him a few times. He falls out the window. So, like, despite all of the efforts of our brave and noble protagonist, Lori, she still gets the rug yanked out from underneath her by a man. Which is kind of frustrating. Yes. Uh, I'm just so mad at it, honestly. I will say that in the recent reboot, Mm -hmm. it's not so much the same. That makes sense. Because in the recent reboot, I think it's just called Halloween. Mm -hmm. Or The Halloween, or however they differentiated it. I have no idea. This is (laughs) Halloween. She she is the hero, you know, through and through. So there have been reparations, I guess, for the anti-climax <laughs> of her not being the hero. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. So now let's kind of go back more into Lori, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
So you mentioned her clothes. They kind of reflect how she is at the moment, I would say. But Yeah, well, I mean, the way I see it is like, are you familiar with the rules? Oh, you told me about it before, but go ahead. So, in the movie Scream, in 1996, Randy is show. They're at this party, and they're watching Halloween, and (laughs) Randy starts talking about the rules, and when he finds out that nobody knows what the rules are, he gets all, what? And he stands up, and he tells everybody the rules, and the rules that he says are no drinking, no drugs, no having sex. Mm -hmm. You know, basically nothing that... He calls it the sin factor. So, anything that, like, falls under that category. And also saying, I'll be right back. In kind of like a sing-songy, condescending way, you're not supposed to say that. So, because of the sin factor, Lori is separate from all of her friends. Like, throughout the movie, they establish her as, I'm not like other girls. Not in... Not in an edgy, quirky way, but Mm -hmm. in like a... I mean, you referred to it as like an insecure kind of way. Yeah, like, she doesn't necessarily... Like, compared to her friends, Annie and Linda, they're more of, I guess, what you would say a typical teenage girl is. They talk about boys, they talk about... Clothes are a little bit scandalous, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, that's just stereotypes. I'm not saying that this is true. It's how you would see, like, the popular girls portrayed yeah. in movies. Like, it's very stereotypical. But, Lori is not like that. So, in the beginning, like you were saying, she was wearing r- pretty modest clothing and toward yeah. the end, it was more, like, casual. Yeah. And in the beginning, she was worried about her books and never really talked about guys except for one time. Yeah, when she was in the car with Annie and she's like, I can't just, like, talk to him, you know? Like, that's... Yeah, she's very shy, very, uh, I guess, introverted would be a good word to use. But I think the clothes in the beginning are part of what set her apart because while her friends are wearing... Like, they're not... They're not wearing anything outrageous. They're pretty modest as well. Yeah. But, you know, they're wearing huge platform shoes and big, you know, bell bottoms or whatever. And she's wearing, like, what you would assume somebody might wear to church, right? Yeah. So she's got on a skirt and a nice blouse and white stockings. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, gives her the the innocence factor like just just the fact that she's wearing white when her other friends aren't that kind of puts them on different levels i think and kind of like foreshadows like you know in i don't watch a whole lot of anime but you know in anime how it's like the main character always has like the outrageous hair yeah like you can always tell cuz everybody else looks normal yeah. that's kind of how this was with her clothes. Yeah, like her, com- she was very different compared to, aesthetically different compared to everybody else in the movie. Yeah. And also, speaking of anime, since you brought it up, whenever she was in class, she was sitting in the corner, in the back corner of the classroom. Yeah, like gazing out the window. Yeah, just like every 
main anime character <laughs> at a school. But the reason why they do that is so they don't have to draw people behind them, so. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But they already had, like, other kids in the classroom. So yeah, I so I don't know why they did it, but yeah. probably, like, to isolate her. make her to make it Yeah, to make it easier for her to zone out mm-hmm. and stare out the window without getting caught. And now, let's get into the man. The myth. The psycho killer. I was going to say the legend, but that works too. <laughs> that works too. Mikael Mayers. I have to say, I don't know what that's in reference to. Uh, so, it's a video, and it's of this little kid, and he has the mask on, but it looks like it's his grandmother's wig that he's wearing. And the girl taking the video of him, he's like a little kid, like maybe three feet tall, and she's like, she she has a heavy, uh, I guess, it, I don't know, it's a foreign accent. Uh, and she's, well, foreign to us. And she's saying, you don't look like Michael Myers. You look like Mikael Myers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's just funny. You got, He gets a little bit mad at it. <laughs> but it's funny, yeah. like, just looking at him with the wig. and everything. Yeah. It's, like, a nice wig, it looks like, too. So it just makes <laughs> Think of Michael Myers with a nice, sleek, Karen haircut. I think I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Mikael Myers. Okay, (laughs) so Michael Myers' backstory. Yeah. Kind of troubling. Kind of worrisome. Yeah, so what I'm assuming is that He either had some mental issues. Obviously, he had some mental issues. I just don't know to what degree. Right. Um, Whether it be, like, something like, not like Down syndrome. He has an issue with, with girls being... Scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was kind of what triggered him, you know? It was Halloween. He was, like, eight... You know, he had his costume on, and his sister was with her boyfriend, and it's it's all shot point of view, like from Michael's point of view, and it shows him watching through the window as they like, you know, get up from the couch to go upstairs, mm-hmm. so he goes in the house and gets a knife and puts his little clown mask on, and, freak. and goes up. And the boyfriend leaves, and so he goes upstairs. His sister's, like, still naked, mm-hmm. and he, he, like, stabs her to death. And then he just goes and stands outside on the porch waiting for his parents to get home. Like, still holding the bloody knife and everything. Like, yeah, no emotion, no words, like, nothing. Yeah, there's obviously something going on there. Like, so, like, immediately he was taken to a facility, a hospital... And he he was just kind of locked up there for 15 years until he escaped. Yes. So, and one of his things is that he has some superhuman abilities. Yeah. This bitch cannot die. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no matter what you do. He got stabbed in the neck with a knitting needle. Yes. 
Poked in the eye with a coat hanger. Shot at least six times. Fell out a window. And through it all, still not dead. Forty years later, after how many sequels? A billion? He still passes that pacer test. (laughs) And even after the, the, the Halloween reboot that came out, like... She trapped, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, because it is kind of new. She trapped him in the, like, you know, cellar under her house, like the apocalypse shelter under her house. I guess bunker is the word I'm looking for. She trapped him down there and then burned the entire house down and, like, burned him alive. And now they're working on a sequel called Halloween Kills. Oh my god. This never dies. Yeah. So, obviously there's something up with them. Also, the fact that people can just be running away from him, and he's just kind of like walking normal, and he can still catch up to them. Yeah, they ne- and they never mention anything supernatural in this movie, at right. least. So it just makes you wonder, like, yeah. why does he have all of this? Like, why can he do all of this? Is it just because that's power, how it's written? The power of the mind is so strong that he's just like, hm, I'm not going to die today. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just made that decision. Oh. <laughs> uh. I think it's cool, though. I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of limiting. It makes me mad. But yeah, because it's like... How will you ever end it if if you've already established that he can live through, like, anything? Money. It's all about the money. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think there there is some, some film aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, on a deeper level, if you analyze it, it's like, oh, evil will always exist. and That's true. And you can't really, like, easily get rid of it. But then, like, on a surface level film talk, it just opens the door for as many sequels as you want to make. as For as many sequels as you can squeeze out of it. Yeah. And so, that... While there are many, many, many questions about this movie, a lot of it leads to the question of why Lori? Yeah. Why did Micah? <laughs> why did Mikael went Larry so bad? I I don't know. When I talk to my dad about this movie, mm-hmm. or you know, whenever we're watching one of the many, many sequels that I have yet to sit through. Um, he says that Lori and Michael are siblings. That was not talked about, alluded to, hinted at. Like, nothing in this movie gives anybody reason to believe that they're siblings. Mm-hmm. It might be set up in a later movie. I don't know. I think, but, well, so it might be set up in a later movie, but... In terms of, like, just this movie alone, her dad's the real estate agent. In terms of this movie alone, her dad is the real estate agent that's in charge of selling the Myers house. So after he escapes the facility, 
and makes it back to Haddonfield, she's going to put the key, like, under the mat on the porch. And as she's standing there on the porch, it shows the ca- like, the camera is pointing out from inside of the house. And he just, like, appears there. And he sees her, like, through the screen door and the window. So, I mean, my thought is, like, saw her first, decided that he was going to kill her. Maybe maybe she looked like, like Judith, his sister, that he already killed. Yeah, because they were both blonde. And they both kind of had the same, like, hair style, kind of. Yeah. Maybe the same, like, build. I don't know. So, one of the things that you noticed was the difference in film during versus the day and night. Yeah, because, like, when we watched Texas Chainsaw, like, as soon as it opened, you were like, oh, that grain, you must love that, right? Mm-hmm. And I did. But then in this one, as we were watching it, I was like, aw, where's, where's the grain? And then it got dark in the movie, and there it was. And it the quality of the movie just got, like, not quality of the movie, but the way it looked just, like, got a little bit worse. Uh-huh. To where it's, like, really dark, and you can only really see in this, like, oval in the center of the movie, and it's super grainy and bad. And I was like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you had an explanation for it. So, I don't know if this is true for movie film, but it is for... Um, photography film, like taking pictures of the camera, and even digital. I think especially digital. So, whenever you are shooting with a camera, the higher your ISO is, the more noise or graininess that you're going to have in the outcome of your image. But the, uh, the usage of upping your ISO is to make it easier to shoot in lower light situations. So if you were shooting a recital or something like that, you would have a higher ISO, probably or like a fashion show, I'll say probably up in the thousands depending on where you're at and Mm -hmm. what kind of equipment you have. And the lower ISO usually to... uh, more forgiving if you ever go out and buy film the more forgiving film is going to be the 200 ISO um the less forgiving but more common is 400 ISO and that's typically for daylight shooting window light situations Mm -hmm. things like that but that's why typically in older movies uh, or movies like this, whenever you see the more grain at night, that's why. Because mm-hmm. it, your camera has to work harder to capture light. And most of the dark scenes were, were inside. Yeah. I mean, there were some shots of, like, looking at the house across the street, but with the porch lights and everything, most of the, the truly dark things, like the blue light dark things, were, were inside. And the day the daytime shooting was I don't think it was on a set. I mean it looked like they were filming in a town somewhere. Um, I could be wrong. Um, part of the inside now I'm not saying this for sure, but part of the reason why they were inside was probably light manipulation. 
Just because it's easier than yeah. with an open... I mean, I just think about the, the scene where she's hiding in the closet, and he can't get it open, so he just, like, punches the... Oh, the, yeah. the Like, the slats, uh-huh. whatever they're called, of the door out. And as he's, like, thrashing around, he accidentally turns the light on, so it goes from being very blue to, you know, really light. I mean, the graininess is still mostly there, but... I mean, it's like a a sharp, like, contrast, like a change in the quality of the movie. And that's also, like, you'll especially notice it, I don't know about all these new iPhones, but on cell phones, whenever you take pictures in lower light, it's Mm -hmm. grainy to the max, but whenever you're in regular daylight, it's not, Mm -hmm. hopefully, depending on what kind of cell phone you have. I don't stay up to date on all that stuff. All that newfangled... Millennial <laughs> snowflake technology. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so one thing that you brought up was Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, but yeah. what she thought about the movie. Yeah, so when I was reading a little bit about, you know, what she had to say, she said that she's a big a big scaredy cat. And she had all these quotes about she doesn't like to be scared. She likes to sleep at night and she doesn't like to think about, you know, scary things. And her and her husband's wedding vows. In their wedding vows, they said that they would never throw each other a surprise party. Oh. Because that would, it would send her to the hospital. Oh my god. So, despite the fact that she's the scream queen, she she's not like that in real life. Because literally all I really knew her for was Freaky Friday. Yeah. that That was it. Because I never watched horror movies really growing up except for like Ernest Scared Stupid yeah yeah or the haunting her the haunting of Emily Rose or something like that it was a possession movie it was really like bleh. yeah it was yeah. past what you would watch <laughs> so did she even watch it I don't know I don't know if it said she probably had to yeah. I know there's some people that don't watch their own movies but I mean, with premieres and everything, I don't know if they had a premiere, like a big yeah, I one. Have no idea. There's maybe, no maybe for the the newest one. Yeah. Since it was like a forty years later kind of thing, I think That's it true. might have been like the the fortieth anniversary. Ooh. So, let's talk about some funny stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while since we. Since we got into the goofs. So. This first one has to do with Mikael, and it's just the way that he carries himself. Yeah, the first, like, 25, 30 minutes of the movie, and he he just would, like, pop up in places and then disappear, and you were getting kind of, kind of frustrated with that. Yes, like, why... Like, how do you even do that? Like, th- there's no way it's, that he's just regular human. It's you part know? of his superhuman ability. That is never mentioned. Yeah. Ugh. So he's, like, he's stealthy, but not subtle. Like, he's hiding. He's just standing. Not even hiding. He's just standing out in plain sight. But then he moves and nobody sees him. He's like the friend that you tell, oh, we need to put a bell around your neck. <laughs> Because he just pops up, and you don't even hear him coming. Yeah. 
And then, you know, Annie dies and what, she calls somebody, right? She called uh, Paul? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. It's after Bob is killed and then Linda is killed because as Linda is being killed, she calls Lori and Lori doesn't know that it's Linda. She thinks it's Annie. Oh, So she's yeah. on the phone and she's being strangled, so it's making some funny noises. And and Lori thinks it's a prank call. And then she starts to get worried, and she starts... She's like, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? And I'm like, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, I, I literally shouldn't be allowed to do things like this. But, unfortunately, she was hit by... She was struck by... A smooth, smooth criminal. criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Very musical in this episode today. Oh, yeah. See, I told you you should have let me done the rap. <laughs> R-E-E-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T podcast. Hey, that almost worked. <laughs> no, I'm getting, sorry. Getting closer every week. Also, one of the things that we noticed was... The moving of a headstone? Yeah. So, the doctor goes... and The doctor and the local police officer. I think he was a sheriff. He wasn't even a... No, it wasn't the police officer. It was the guy who worked at the cemetery. Oh, yeah. Because the doctor was looking for Judith Meyer's gravesite. He uh-huh. wanted to see it and, you know, apparently it gets vandalized all the time just because of, like, the local lore... Yeah. And myths that that go around with the story, but they get there and it's it's gone. Yeah, and it's I would say that it's like uh, probably like two foot by six inch plot of ground that's taken out maybe. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, that's it's just a flat headstone, but no, think of the typical. R.I.P. headstones. Like, big. Like, big. Concrete. (laughs) Yes. Maybe something heavier. And so Michael is the one that stole the (laughs) headstone. And he leaves it in the bed. And that bitch is just laying there. Yeah, so he had Annie, like, spread out on the bed. She's dead. And are you okay? (laughs) Are you okay, Annie? And... He moves the headstone, or the gravestone, tombstone, whatever stone, to be by the headboard of the bed. Like, like it's the headboard. Yeah, like, probably against the wall. And it's like, how did he do that? How did he manage to, like, get it from the graveyard to the car to the house upstairs without anybody seeing him lugging it around? Hmm. Oh, yeah, he can drive, by the way, too. Yeah, never mind that he's been locked up for 15 years and was never taught how to drive. I mean, in his defense, it's not that hard, but, like, he didn't grow up around people just driving all the yeah. time, you know? Well, maybe... I mean, it, his, the first eight years of his life... Yeah, but... He was not around people driving a lot longer than he was around people driving. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, also, just common sense, 
lock your doors and windows. Yeah, people would just come into a room and see the door or window just wide open. Or just leave it open. And they'd just be like, oh, you know, whatever. Like, I guess that's... It's a nice breeze. Yeah, like... I might die, but, you know, gotta get some air. (laughs) God. Lock your doors and windows. Please. Golly. I wonder if that means that he got into places through the window a lot. He just, like, climbed through windows. The door was wide open, but he took the time to (laughs) climb through the window. I want to see it. (laughs) Because, like, he's he's stealthy, like we said. So how does he, like, get into places so quietly? Not like that. Yeah, thanks, Lila. They're about to get mad at each other. When potentially, like, you could be so loud doing that. Especially with windows. Yeah. Yeah. How do you avoid all the stuff that's, you know, placed next to the window? How do you not disturb any of it? Like all the stuff (laughs) in Lori's room? (laughs) After he gets done, he just places it back (laughs) gently. He's like, oh, better put this back before I kill her. You know? Ah. Also, I think one of the funniest things about this movie is that his mask. Oh, yeah. His mask. They just needed, like, a plain mask. So they picked William Shatner. Like, his face. Yeah. And they just... It's kind of, like, spray-painted white. Yeah. And kind of, like, raggedy. Why? Where did he get the mask? He broke into the hardware store. And they just had a mask? I guess, because the share, when Annie and Lori drove by, and they were like, oh, Annie's like, oh, it's my dad, like, put the, put the drugs away. Oh. Um, he was like, yeah, he stole some rope, or somebody stole, they didn't know who it was, somebody stole some rope, a Halloween mask, and a knife. Oh, Those yeah. darn kids. Didn't even use the rope. Did he? He might have strangled... He could have wrapped it around the headstone and used the car to pull it. Or, because he had somebody, like, I think he had Bob in the closet, so, like, when the door got knocked open, he, like, fell. I wonder if he was, like, tied up in the closet. Oh, yeah. He would have had to think about that, like... Yeah, he must have, he was like, hmm, I know the house I'll be in. I remember it from when I was eight years old. I'm gonna make him swing from the rafters. (laughs) I feel like there was either a lot of planning in this movie or, like, absolutely none at all. And all of these things are just plot holes that coincidentally can be loosely connected. Yeah. Like, it's either one or the other. I want to think that... um, What do I want? I want to think that it was just really well thought out. Because that means... That's indication of, like, a good villain. That's know? true. You don't want you don't want a a clumsy stupid villain. Like as funny as that is or as funny as it can be. Mhm. You know. You want you want there to be like a fair fight, you know. You're right. All right. So, and I mean, like you like we said earlier, this thing can go on forever. Yeah. It's sequel city. Hashtag sequel yeah. city. And that and they're the worst babysitters ever. Yeah, honestly, just the worst. 
Like they're it. just gonna strip down in the kitchen. Nikki. Let your let this girl's dog get killed. Not worry about it. Cause remember, the German Shepherd was like howling at or like growling at her. Oh. She was like, "This dog loves yeah. everybody but me," and she sent the dog outside. Michael Myers oh, killed the dog. I forgot about that. And no. Then, and like, she didn't care. She didn't even notice. I forgot that he killed the dog. My mind repressed it. Wait, because then when they were going through the Myers old house, there was a dead dog. They didn't show the dead dog. But they were like, ah, what man would do that? It's still warm. He's been here. And then the doctor's like, he must have gotten hungry. Which could either mean that he was hungry for a kill or he uh, ate the dog. Okay, I remember you asking that question, and now that we've reviewed, I think he was hungry for a kill. I agree with you now. On yeah, because that. that's what I thought. I was like, I, I know this guy's crazy, but he would not just, like, take a bite out of a dog. Because <laughs> they weren't... He has in, standards. <laughs> they weren't in the kitchen. They were, like, in somebody's bedroom or something. In, in like, the living room. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's kind of messed. It is messed. Let's get down... To how I feel about the movie now. Yeah. Do you think that there was enough of an impact? Because, I mean, if you think about it, without this as, like, the base... Well, I guess not necessarily the base. Actually, yes. So, Texas Chainsaw was, like, the the blueprint mm-hmm. for the slasher subgenre. But Halloween was, like, the foundation, the base that everything else was kind of built on. In my opinion. And while it is silly and has a lot of goofs and things that we're not so sure about, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have this subgenre the same way without it. I mean, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I'm, I'm hoping you, you see differently. I have a deal. Okay. I'll give you a 2.95. You can't bring it up just like the 0.05. What would what what would be worth the 0.05? The knife. What it would be. The knife. <laughs> what about the knife that it would Not realistic. No, more not realistic than the knife is his strangulation abilities. Oh my god, you're telling me. When he was killing Annie and he was strangling her, he was like daintily caressing her neck. (laughs) And she was still like... Yeah. And died. So... In like two seconds. If you don't know, I only know this because I watch a lot of true... Or listen to a lot of true crime podcasts... It takes a lot to strangle somebody with your hands. Usually, killers do it with something other than their hands, unless they're just, like, off-the-wall bonkers, you know? Or they have that much adrenaline, and they can do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's super hard, and it takes a long time to actually strangle somebody to death. Yeah. Meredith is so worried I don't, about me. Yeah, I I personally have no experience in strangulation. I don't either. <laughs> you 
say that like I've done it before. No, it's just because I listen to a lot of true crime. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't you ever hear those people are like, I watch so much true crime that I could get away with murder if I wanted. Yeah, I don't believe that. No, no, because you're gonna get caught. Like you're not. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't do it. (laughs) I'm kidding. Meredith's like, oh my god, this is a third week in a row that you've been sketchy as <laughs> In the coming weeks, we won't have as much sketchy content to talk about. That's true. That's true. Just obsessive content. Yeah. You know, things that we'll probably know a little bit too much about. Oh my god, I'm excited for that. Ugh. You're I'm telling excited. me. <laughs> Meredith is obsessed I with the monkeys. I love those monkeys. Those, those crazy guys. So is there anything else that you would like to add? Did your rating change at all? Well, I would maybe understand going from a 3.5 to just a solid 3. Because it is a little ridiculous. So yours went down. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the extra point five just comes from the That's spite for me, honestly. The like the sheer iconicness of the film. Yeah. Cause like if it were just a film on its own and it didn't have the cultural impact, it would be a three. Like as that would kind of be stretching it even, and that's how I tried to look at it. Yeah, but because it is so important to Halloween, like yeah. as a holiday, I think the the point five is earned or deserved. You know. Yeah. Already, are you good? I think I'm good. You ready to go? I think I'm ready to go. Make sure you're following our Twitter. Retweet about the giveaway. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next week when we talk about. We haven't decided which one we're gonna do first. We haven't, but we we're haven't. gonna. But we're gonna. Right so. after we log off here. So tune in next week and find out what what hidden interest we'll be talking about. Alrighty, guys. Bye. Bye. Really. Thank <laughs> you.